All this week, we've been discussing organ transplant on change of heart. And this morning, international psychologist Dr. Angela Bass talks about the psychology of organ donation. Good morning, Dr. Angela. Good morning, Shaz. Now, for patients who are waiting for an organ, what goes through their mind? It can be very difficult. I mean, you're you're grappling with two things. One is just the physicality of the illness itself. But then mentally, it's very cognitively taxing because you are not sure. It's a bit of a twilight zone. You're not sure where on that wait list you are. Um, sometimes there's false starts where, you know, you're confirmed, but then the organ is not viable. Mm-hmm. So it's a roller coaster of emotions and it's not exactly doing wonders for anxiety or depression. Right. So how can those on the waiting list keep their spirits up while they're waiting? I mean, in that sense, I mean, the manifestations of the waiting for an organ is unique in itself, but the depression and anxiety accompanying it can, in a lot of ways, be treated as you would anxiety and depression for other things. So one of it is looking at and mapping out what is my care network? What is my support system? Um, We know whether it's dealing with cancer or other debilitating diseases, outcomes to a great extent are affected by our attitude. So, you know, you can sit there and think my phone's not ringing. I'm not uh, getting a call saying the organ donor is ready. Or another way to frame it is saying, I'm getting, you know, one day closer to the organ. So depending how you frame things, restructuring the thoughts, keeping busy, really making a mental effort to cognitively adjust. Okay, I'm going to make peace with the fact that it takes me 45 minutes to shower as opposed to 10. And I'll be mindful in the shower. I'll feel the water drops. I will be mindful as I'm soaping my body. All these things can go a long way. Right. Okay. So, Dr. Angela, for families of organ donors that are already dealing with grief, how can they come to terms with giving up their loved one's organs? Well, that has a lot to do with oftentimes religious and sort of philosophical orientations. Those can exert a tremendous effect at how we're looking at it. And again, it involves sort of thought process and an educative process. There's a lot of research out there to show that families who have been educated, um, let's say with a healthcare worker or a psychologist who specializes in organ donation, you know, explaining the process thoroughly and and sitting with, you know, the family of the recipient or the, the patient themselves goes a really long way in ameliorating the devastating effects as opposed to, let's just say, getting a brochure from a, you know, a healthcare fair. So really walking through and being immersed in that experience. Now, it is a mental health free clinic this morning. So if you have a question for Dr. Angela, give us a call 03-9543-3333. While we wait your calls, I want to discuss this uh, Malaysian PhD student who had died from suicide after months of bullying. That's next after Robbie Williams here on Light. And it's a free clinic, a Mind Matters free clinic this morning. 03-9543-3333 is the number to call. But before we take your calls, um, Dr. Angela, a Malaysian PhD student at the Utah State University, reportedly committed suicide after allegedly enduring eight months of bullying by her classmates. This is according to several U.S. news reports. It's been trending in our own news as well. You know, and I've been watching and looking and reading the forums, and while a lot of people, 
people are expressing, you know, sadness at this. Uh, there have been some comments saying, you know what, she is a PhD um, student in, in in psychology and mental health. Should she not have had the fortitude and the tools to handle bullying? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, right off the bat, I think that's not the most compassionate thought process whatsoever. Mm. I, I don't know what was going through that person's mind as they wrote that comment. But, you know, if we're to extrapolate that, then does that mean a cardiologist should never have a heart issue? That, you know, uh, somebody that's a GP should never get a cold? Mm. That a professor should understand every topic? I mean, at the end of the day, before she's a psychologist or a psych major, a student, she's a human being. And granted, you know, everybody has different thresholds of how much they can take and, you know, up to what point and when. And I think it says a lot about the culture of bullying that's increasing and prevalent world over. And I really don't think the situation is helped by the United States of America's leader. Okay. What about mental health for mental health care professionals? Where do you guys go to for support? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, when you're studying psychology, depending on the sort of rigor of the program, you need to embark on your own therapy for X amount of hours. It's like a pilot, you know, they have to clock in a thousand hours, let's say, before they become qualified as a pilot landing and, and taking off. It's kind of the same for a psychologist. So you have your own therapist, then you're also interning and doing field work and you're shadowing and you have supervision. And then obviously, once you qualify, it's still good to have sort of multidisciplinary meetings where you talk to a former supervisor, a current supervisor, you share cases, you know, either confusion or the stress that can come with it. And in terms of a mental health professional's own mental health, Nothing is stopping uh, them from embarking on their own therapy. I've done that and it's been a great gift. So I would encourage everyone to do so. I mean, just remember going for therapy or getting mental health help doesn't mean something's wrong. Oftentimes it means you just want to up your game. Yeah, wonderful. That's great advice. Of course, um, the, it's a Mind Matters free clinic today. So give us a call on 03-954-3333. We're going to talk to Lynette next. She has a question about her sister's anxiety. That's next here on Light. It's a light breakfast with Shaz and a Mind Matters Free Clinic with international psychologist Dr. Angela Bass from Fourth Dimension Consulting. Lynette, what is your question this morning? Well, I want to ask doctor uh, about my sister. My sister will be traveling abroad for her studies the first time in her life. She experiences paranoia and anxiety sometimes. And when that happens, she can't sleep. So um, what can we do to help her? Yeah, new students in a strange land, a lot to be anxious about, right, Dr. Angela? I disagree. Nothing to be anxious about. And even the words we say can have a profound impact. It's not necessarily strange, but an exciting adventure waiting to be had. If she can speak to a professional, Lynette, before she embarks on her trip abroad, that would be great. But, you know, underlying sort of paranoia or anxiety are thoughts. So the paranoia and anxiety are feelings. Behind feelings are the thoughts. So when we can get to the thoughts, we've hit the jackpot. Understanding those thoughts then means we can examine the evidence for them, We can reframe them. We can play sort of devil's advocate and think, okay, what's another way of thinking this? Is this a fact or opinion? 
And once we get into the habit of doing that, it's a sort of cognitive restructuring. The anxiety and the paranoia starts to abate. And because there will be so many new stimuli abroad, it'd be very helpful if she could speak to a professional. All right. Now, it's a Mind Matters free clinic, so call us right now, 03-954-3333. Next, Yuki wants to know what goes through the mind of a sexual harasser. We will address that next here on Light. It's a Mind Matters free clinic, and we're answering your calls. What's your question, Yuki? I'm facing a very difficult situation right now. Um, I'm a freelancer and then there's this client recently who is making unwelcome sexual advances on me. Like he would be sending me text messages at late night and then making innuendos and to the point that he just outright sent a text message to say that he wants to sleep with me. So right now, right, I feel like I need to do something about it, but he also hinted that if I don't go along with it, he's not going to give me the job. What should I do? Dr. Angela, your I'm advice. Sorry. I'm so sorry that you're going through that. That is definitely a tough predicament. Never ever an excuse, but sometimes the way people have been raised, they don't, I mean, for getting into the mind of a sort of sexual predator or someone that harasses, given the social cultural milieu, they don't think anything is wrong with what they're doing. They think that it's just, you know, par per course or it's normal. Oftentimes it's exploiting or giving an ultimatum and capitalizing on power differentials. In this case is you do X and then, you know, I will provide you Y in, in terms of let's say, giving you the account. So this really boils down to how you want to empower yourself and where your boundaries are. You know, whether it's getting an account or in a situation like this, life daily will uh, sort of provide situations where it's, it's sort of a ledger or a compromise. Um, and you need to decide where that line is in terms of your mental and emotional health. Um, there's things that everybody has to weigh, financial viability, so on and so forth. It's never a therapist's job to say, this is what you should do. Whereas, you know, our, our responsibility is to almost in a way act as a mirror to see where you're at. So I would just encourage asking questions like, what is crossing the line for me? What is crossing the line where they've gone so far that I can't come back? What am I willing to adjust to saying that, you know, they didn't know better or this is something I can tolerate versus it doesn't matter what they say or do. I'm not putting up with this. All right. Well, hope that helps you, Yuki. Of course, give us a call 03-954-3333 if you have any questions for Dr. Angela Bass. Um, up next, a question about nightmares. We'll be addressing that one next here on Light. And I am with uh, Dr. Angela Bass, international psychologist. And on our WhatsApp, Audrey had a question. She writes, Mom has been having nightmares recently and I don't know what to make of them. She woke up uh, suddenly last night saying she saw a basket flying past her. What kind of basket? Well, she said it was a baby basket. She's almost 92. Why are the nightmares coming and what could it be? Could it be something else? What do you think, doctor? That's a, a tough question to answer without sort of deep diving into the medical or and or psychiatric psychological history. Um, just just from what little I'm hearing, I would be curious to understand which aspect of that 
makes it feel like it's a nightmare as opposed to a dream, you know, because a nightmare usually feels pretty horrible or scary. It could have things to do with any medication that she's on or another pre-existing ailment or physical condition, mm-hmm. maybe dementia. Um, if there's any sort of life event like a birth or a passing of someone in your mother's life recently, that may have been a trigger. So I think right now it might be prudent just to keep an eye on it and see how often it happens. If it's a one-off or if you're seeing a pattern. And if you are, then it's advisable to speak to a professional. All right. Well, you know, I have some weird dreams sometimes. And, uh, you know, while I understand that sometimes when you're sleeping, your dreams are just you processing what happened through, you know, throughout the day. Sometimes it really means nothing, right? Quite often, mm. yes. All right. Well, Dr. Angela, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Mind Matters. It's been a pleasure.